Hey, hello, folks. How you doing? This is the On Being Christian podcast. My name is Nolan Ruby, and I am the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City. And the On Being Christian podcast is a ministry of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church, and I'm so happy that you chose to listen today. Um, I'm looking forward to this one. This is podcast number eight, and it'll be the first podcast of 2023. I was actually somewhere yesterday, and I wrote down the date, 2023, and I looked at my wife, and I said, you got to be kidding me. 2023. That makes me, well... I guess that doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. We have a little bit of a different podcast to start off 2023. I actually have an interview today. I actually have an interview. And so I'm sitting here with um, Mr. Andrew Sims. How you doing? Good. He's he's looking out the window. We have this beautiful mountainscape in front of us. It's covered today with a little bit of clouds. But um, And so the On Being Christian podcast... Um, it's a it's a platform in which the endeavor is to move the idea of Christianity away from sort of what it has become to mean in a very watered down way. It's been reduced to nothing more than a noun. In other words, is Christianity is what I say it is, and um, it, it's become something in which it is uh, subjective to the times, and that Bible that doesn't doesn't recognize that. So there is a very objective meaning to Christianity. Uh, There are some objective biblical doctrinal requirements to that title, to that action. And so that's what this podcast is all about. And in light of that, we have Andrew Sims with us today, and he's the owner of an electrical company um, at a level in which it is producing enough work to keep a a good group of guys busy. He's also good enough at it to uh, have taught some level of entrepreneurship or biblical-based business ownership, and so <clears throat> I'm pleasured, or I'm 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 very happy to have, be able to present him here today. We're going to have a couple questions. We've got about five questions. There's some conversations. I have no idea how long this will go, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, and like I said, good to have you with you. Or good to have you with us. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah, good. Good. So, like I said, uh, not a message today, very much an interview, um, and it's going to be from the perspective of, all right, we're dealing with someone here, we have access to a person here who's running something, doing something, building something, uh, and he's doing it within the, if you want to use the word, confines of Christianity, and there's things that are going to make sense in the business world, Um that may not necessarily make sense to a person who's living their life according to the uh, doctrine of the Bible. And so we're going to ask him a couple of questions along those lines, such as, um, what does it look like to build something which is, by the way, is this, how many years now have you been number one in South Dakota? Oh, for local best? Local best, yeah. So we have been... On, we've been in the top two or the top one slot for uh, Sioux Falls seven or eight years running. Seven or eight years running. And I was I was at the top of that list for four years in a row uh, and then recently bumped back down to number two. Uh-oh. And I, and I honestly, I'm okay with that. Okay. It actually generates a little different type of business to be second. 
Yeah. So that's an interesting dynamic. But yeah, a couple, seven or eight years at least. So you're looking at seven or eight years in the number one or number two spot for, and what this is commercial and residential. What What is the focus? It would That would primarily be residential, residential. service and construction projects on the electrical side. There is some a little bit of commercial play in there, but those people don't think the same way as a homeowner. So yeah. That, that's a different dynamic. Yeah. And we do both, but the that voting dynamic is residential homeowners primarily okay so he's got he's got one aspect of his business electrical where he's dealing with residential and commercial projects and i've met a lot of his guys um and work in their different ways with that now he's also the owner of a construction company is that right this is a newer endeavor that's new that's, that's new uh right at just under a year old okay and that is a, f- a, a What's the word I'm looking for? It's a, um, that came out, that was born out of a need by an existing client on the electrical side, a project that we were already in. And then um, they had some hardship with their general contractor. And we felt like we could solve that problem for them. And so we, I told them from the start that we were going to build a business on the back of their project. Yeah. Um, So we fired up a new business and, on the electrical side, I'm the owner, but on the construction side, uh, it's a three-way partnership, and we've just done all of the legal and the licensing and a lot of the the down-and-dirty background work yeah. to get that thing going. And as of yet, we still only have one client, but that client has allowed us to cash flow a new, a new venture from scratch, and then also... Uh, pay ourselves a little bit yeah so yeah, well, that's and nice. there's money in the bank so yeah. that's an interesting dynamic to be able to start a business based on a need and it's fully profitable in the first month and out of the gate awesome which i mean now you're going to know this better than me but that would be rare super rare super i rare. didn't realize how rare until i told this story to a group of business owners and professionals group of 10 or 12 people that I was talking to just kind of round tabling and they laughed there one of them said you need to write a book about that and I said well not really my skill set but maybe but they it was noticeably odd to be able to do a startup in cash and cash flow the whole thing on its own I'm not siphoning money from my other business to make this happen Got it. Got it. So we've got we've got an opportunity here. He's sole ownership of one business, three-way partnership, correct me if I'm wrong, with this other new startup, mm-hmm. profitable out the gate. Right. And then on the back end, uh, you've got some some time that you're in front of, what, uh, we're talking high school kids? So, uh, yes. High um, school kids, and we're teaching entrepreneurial. B- biblical entrepreneurship. Biblical entrepreneurship. And that is, uh, that was a full school year. Um, about 50% of a full school year. So I was teaching it with um, another, another, I guess, a teacher, yeah, or whatever yeah. term you would use. And he was doing every other week with me. And so we ended up with about 30 to 35 weeks of total classroom time, 45-minute lessons with a group of 15 or 16 high schoolers. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So, folks, basically, just just that just brief introduction there. Um, and full disclosure: in a past life, I was actually one of Andrew's electricians. Uh, well, I pretended to be one for a little while. Yes. Uh, yeah, I tried not to make a big mess. Um, I worked for a pretty great guy, and um, and he was really patient with me. The, the guy that I answered directly to, who in turn answered directly to Andrew. Um, you know, it, it was good. It was good for me. I learned a lot. Um, it it let me get my feet on the ground in some areas that I had no experience in. In fact, I remember the first time I realized. And I think I realized it a little bit sooner than some of his other guys that are rookies. But I walked onto a job site probably three, four months in. Someone made mention about the Sparkies being there. And I realized that was me. Like, and I, I was like totally. <laughs> I just thought somebody was, which was weird. Because, folks, I'm like, I'm 270 pounds. And I was lifting at the time. And someone was calling me Sparky. And I'm like, what you? What are you talking about? Like, you know, and then I realized right. this is like a whole industry it's thing. A, yes, it's a yeah. trade nickname. A trade nickname. So anyway, um, so he's got his fingers in some things, and it's not just like he's dabbling here. He's making stuff work, uh, which is pretty cool. And he's he's doing it in a way where other people who are involved in the same thing are saying, uh, you're doing what? And he's got a couple principles that are guiding him through some of this which I think might be helpful to us. And so what I want to do real quick here is just, I know we kind of got a little bit of an introduction here, but I'd like, Andrew, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about just your background concerning, like, was this something that you grew up doing? Is this something you started in? What started you in it? Um, how did you get to the point where, like, how did the business become yours? Did you get this? Did you start it? Did, what What's the background of that okay so uh i did not grow up in this my my dad had a philosophy that if something could not be fixed with a screwdriver and a hammer <laughs> then it was not probably fixable yeah that's my philosophy and we oh mine too by and large naturally uh, but we we that's how we grew up um and so i am not mechanical by nature or inclination but I uh, moved to Sioux Falls as a reasonably young man. I suppose I, we were 22, 23, my wife and I, when we moved there. And you were already, you, you had no kids, but you were married. We, I'd been married about six months when we moved to Sioux Falls. Okay. Um, I, grew up in, I grew up in Kansas, and I moved to Australia and worked for a, for a missionary church plant there for about two and a half, three years. Met my wife. Um, got married in Australia, moved home, and when we moved back to the States, back to Kansas, my parents were in the process. My parents and extended kind of sisters and husband and kind of just kind of all of the family that I was involved with closely. My siblings and parents were in the process of moving to Sioux Falls, and so we moved to Sioux Falls because we didn't have anything else going on. Yeah, and yeah, six months into marriage. Right, moving yeah. fresh back into the U.S., um, with a with a uh, at that point a green card yeah. wife yeah and uh, so we moved to Sioux Falls and started to put down roots. I was in Sioux Falls for a couple of years, just kind of floating. Did a lot of um, restaurant work, kitchen management, in small cafes and coffee shops and that type of thing, and then. 
had met the owner of the business that I now own uh, through church, but really not super involved. And then for various reasons, I got out of the food world, just bad environment, and um, I got saved yeah. during, during a period there. Yeah. Um, Folks, real quick, I'll jump in because yeah. I do know his story, um, not in the way in which I could tell it for him, but... Uh, what he's talking about is there was a transition spiritually at that time right. that he's making reference to um, that resulted in, whoa, like, right. I got to do things different now. Right. Would I Absolutely. Be with, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So um, on my pastor's recommendation, got out of the food industry, um, just the lifestyle and, the, and just in general, not a good scene. And then I landscaped for a season yeah i remember that yeah and i enjoyed that but i was watching guys who were 10 years older than me so in their mid-30s and they'd landscape for 10 15 years already and they were already broken you know bad backs physically bad, physically yeah uh knees backs yeah you know just in rough shape because it's it's really aggressive work and i i like to work but i was concerned about the longevity of that career and then I got laid off for the season because I was the new guy, one of the new guys. Yeah. And so um, once I got laid off, I went for a couple of months without work. And I had a wife and a new baby, went without work. And I went back to one of my brother-in-laws was a, well, my only brother-in-law at that point was an electrician for the union in Sioux Falls. And he kept telling me, he's like, I think you would enjoy this. I think you should try it. I'm like, that is not my, not my speed. I don't know anything about that. Well, after a couple of months of being laid off and not having much luck with anything else, I went to the owner, who at that point was a one-man show. Yeah, uh, um, the, and this is the electrical this company? This is the electrical company. Okay, okay. The owner of the electrical company, he was a one-man show. He'd been on his own um, with his own business for about a year and a half, 18 months. And I went to him and I said, I don't know how to do anything that you do, but somebody told me you might be looking for a helper. Yeah. He said, I can carry stuff, I can sweep, and that's about my skill level. <laughs> and he said, this was this was between Christmas and New Year's of, of 07, and he said, all right. He said, well, what, be at this place tomorrow morning. And so we started, and I worked for him. Um, a uh, little bit off the books, cash cash jobs. Okay, okay. Basically day labor. Um, we won't tell anybody. No. Yeah. Eh, nobody's <laughs> listening to this. Um, basically, I worked for him off the books for probably four or five months, and he said, look, he said, we've got enough work to keep both of us paid. I'm getting paid. You're getting paid. And he said, um, I think I'm ready to uh, basically take and put an employee on the books which meant workman's comp and it's, yeah. a, you know, you've shifted from being a sole proprietor to an actual business. If you hire somebody at that level, right. That's right. not a, I'm going to use the term 1099, which is a contract employee, right? You know, you're not just subbing out a job to them. You're hiring them to put them on your books. And so, uh, he said, we are, if you're willing, he said, I'll help you. I'll train you. We'll get you, get you trained up and we'll make a, make an electrician out of you. So we started that. Like I say, that was in 07, and I worked for him for eight, nine years, 
Okay. As an employee, uh, some of the time I was productive and profitable. <laughs> and I'm sure there was a lot of the time where I wasn't. And I could tell you those stories, but they're too long. And just let's suffice sure. it to say they're we'll I was just terrible. Go, we'll just go with time. you were rocking from the yeah. very oh, from gate, the out the gate. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's your it's your new repertoire. Yeah. Your standard operating procedure. Profitable day one. Day one. That's yeah. right. And that's how I've always been. Every time. Um, <laughs> not true. So I uh, the backstory on him was that he was he had started on his own because he was gonna train he was training actively and going to be in the ministry. Yes. And and so he was on staff at the church that we both were members of and running the electrical business on the side. And in his mind, he was going to start the business, run it for two or three years, finish his training, be a one-man show the whole time, and when he was done, turn the lights off, shut it down. And, shut it down and, and move on. And go to be a preacher somewhere. Got it. And so that process took longer than he thought, and the Lord had his hand on all of that. He, um, Dave was his name, and he always said that uh, that a huge part of his ministry training was owning a business. Yeah. And so he went from, he started in 06, I started in 07 for him, and I bought the business from him in 2016. Okay, January, so... January of 2016. Nine years. Nine years. And um, some of that time, I was probably the first two and a half to three years... Yeah. I would imagine that he was paying me more than I was worth. Sure. And I would I would start I would say that at about year two and a half, three, I started to be productive enough to pay to to pay for myself. Yeah. And I would guess that probably year five, six, seven, somewhere in there, was when I was doing enough. You're making to, him money. I'm, now I'm making up yeah. for all of the headache I've caused. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway, 2016. So what, what, would that yep. be? Let me just jump. Would that be common? That type of, that type of timeline, for someone with no experience in the trades, no, you know, we no technical college to be dropped in, and <clears throat> I'll preface this based off your own statement that you showed up willing and ready to work. Right. So, clean, clean mind, willing body, mm -hmm. like let's go. Right. And it still was seven years before you start making your boss money. Right. How, in, in the world of training guys to make things, right. what type of timeline is that? Is that a realistic timeline, or are you like we've already established? You're out the gate profitable. You know. I think <laughs> that that's a pretty realistic. I think five to seven years is is I'd, I'd phrase it this way I don't think that it's common okay but my opinion would be that it's realistic to expect that from someone who's going to be a long-term asset to your business okay so if he had remained the owner and I had remained the employee I think it would be re and this is how I treat my guys now is I think it's realistic to expect that I can take a guy from nothing and get him to something that's profitable and productive in five to seven years. Okay. And if somewhere along the way that timeline is not being realized, something is wrong. Now, 
sometimes the something that's wrong is that this just isn't for this guy. Yeah. And as the owner, it's kind of my responsibility to know that before he does even. Yeah, you're 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 paying attention to long-term pictures, you're paying right. attention to Now, having said that, is that a reasonable expectation? Absolutely. Is it common? It's way less common than it is reasonable. Okay. Like common sense. That could be the name of this show. Right. This is <laughs> This is way less common than it is reasonable. Is that what is that right. is that the quote? It's, it's way less yeah, common than good, it is reasonable. That's a I feel like that's the relationship <laughs> that's the between tag. every father and son in yes. America. Right. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, should I expect that? Absolutely. Does it often happen? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh so I'm, you're confident enough to say you, despite maybe what you thought you were going to do, were meeting expectations. Correct. Got it. Now, I would also point out, I guess in, in passing, we're still in the introduction, folks, so <laughs> buckle up. Um, I would point out in passing that uh, as my roles shifted over the course of that nine years. Yeah. Every time I had a role shift, there's obviously a new learning curve. Yeah. And so then I'm bad at the new set of responsibilities. Right. And so every time that would happen, I would crash. Literally, there'd be things that I really messed up on. Yeah. And I, again, those are the stories that we could talk about. Right. Let's not. Yeah, I've got a few of my own. Yeah. Those are the stories that we could talk about. And, and so as... You progress up that ladder, as I progressed up it, and each rung failed before I got good at it. You're also, the higher you get, the more expensive your mistakes are. Oh, yeah. So that's (laughs) something that that I'm aware of for myself. Yeah. And it's also something I'm aware of as I hopefully produce guys behind me. Right, right. The higher you get, the more... And folks, honestly, like if we were going to transition this for a hot second into uh, people, right? This is one of the things. It is totally, and to, can I use your phrase? Totally uncommon, but totally right to expect. There's a the guy one of the one of the biggest mentors of my life, and there's been a few. I've been very blessed, but it's a guy named Ron Tottingham. We've talked about him before, and he used to say, "If God can build the man, He can build the work." And um, there's another author by the name of Maxwell who says that it all rises and falls on leadership. leadership. It all rises and falls on leadership. And that's what you're hearing him say in essence, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically the vision, there's a verse in the Bible that says where there is no vision, the people perish. Right. And you're hearing him talk about not just, not just a, like a daily, can I keep my guys busy, but can I supply... I mean, help me phrase this. So we'll get deeper into this okay. because it, it will come up in our in our next couple of questions. Got it. Got it. But the bottom line is the entire purpose of what I do every day is is twofold. One is ministry driven in the sense of um, not charities and that type of thing, but um, I liken it to a tree. Okay. Um, and and my church, so my church would be a tree. Yeah. And there's some there's some things there's some fruit that offshoots out of that tree, 
and gets sent out into the world, missions and um, pastors hopefully being trained and evangelization in my locale and in my state. Yeah. Right? So those are all happening. And a, a big part of what I'm doing, what, what inside me, a driver for what I do is the fact that that tree needs roots. Yeah. And those roots are stability and opportunity for guys to work in a certain place no, okay. and have a clean environment, reasonably clean environment. Um, my guys being able to take time off for camp, church camp, and take time off for um, – we, we host an annual conference every year. Yeah, yeah. And so there's two weeks a year that they are involved in ministry – and I'm not going to be the boss that says, no, you absolutely cannot leave this week. Right. So there's right. those type of things. There's a money side to it where, you know, uh, the guys in the church need stable incomes. Mm-hmm. And some of that I can provide if I'm. If they're willing to step up. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm willing to do what I'm supposed to do. Right. Right. So there's a lot of that stuff that that's the driver for why. So this is going to move us right into the next point. Okay. But but before I do, I, I, how much of this, what you just explained, mm. the the provision of not just a, a job but an environment around the job, right. um, you know, you're looking into these guys' homes and at sure. some level saying, can we up this? Right, absolutely. How much of that is all you as opposed to or how much of that was, was handed, like how much of that vision was the was also the vision of the guy who started this whole thing. So without, uh, here's how I would define that or, or explain it. Yeah. He gave that to me. Um, he gave it to at least one other person Yeah. in our church at the same time as he was giving it to me. His, yeah. His brother also worked for him. Yeah, yeah. And so he was giving it to several guys in our church, um, the opportunity and the, the training and the ability and the income and all of those things that go into stability in life. And he was giving us that. I wouldn't say from talking to him many, many times, and we're still very, we're, I would consider us very close. Yeah, you're connected. Um, yes. Weekly, still, daily. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Multiple times a week I'm passing him and multiple times a month we're having pretty detailed conversations about something. Yeah. So I wouldn't say from talking to him at that level that he envisioned it growing. Right. Like it has. No, it was never supposed to last longer than him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that that I think but he did it while he had it. His goal was always to do the right thing and be the right boss. There you go. And so that transitioned then into something in my mind. My goal has always been uh, to have as many. We're we're a, we're a company of fifteen or sixteen guys. Yeah. Okay. And we're about fifty percent church members. Okay. Like independent Baptist church members. Yeah. And of, of various different churches. Some some all together. Yeah. Some different. You know, different faiths, but basically, yep. you get these guys are at some level, right? Claiming Christianity. Yes, got correct, it. Correct. Got it. So we'd be about fifty percent that, and we're now we're to the point where we're fifty percent 
um, non-churched of any kind. Okay. They're they're uh, guys who just don't have any background in it at all. Just just regular guys. Guys who are good workers. Right. But my goal has always been I don't want a culture that's so Christian mm-hmm. that it pushes other things out. Mm-hmm. But my goal has been to provide a platform for guys who are interested in walking with the Lord to do that. Um, they can afford if their wives want to stay home. And again, yeah. We're, that gets – you correct me if, if I need to stop somewhere. But no, you're good. That's such a, a foreign concept almost now these days. But for guys to say, okay, I need an income that's high enough that I can, I can support my family and my wife doesn't have to have a job. And for a while, around the 10 person, the 10 people mark in our company, yeah. I had nine people who were single income families yeah. and one whose wife worked uh, 30 hours a week Got in it. her own business. She was a hairdresser and worked for herself. But my goal has always been we need to make enough money collectively and individually that you can do what you're supposed to do with your ministries and with your family and with your church and all of this stuff. Yeah. It has to pay the bills. Yeah. So what he's touching on a little bit is um, not a culture as much as a belief. Right. Now, you understand, I think, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, folks, that a one-income household in today's environment is, I mean, it's not undoable. It's totally doable, uh, but you're going to have to choose to do it. Right. And what he's saying is he's trying to provide an environment where guys who want to do that can make, the logistically, if they so choose, can make that choice. Right. Um, if that would include providing freedoms for you know, different types of co-op schooling, homeschooling, Christian mm-hmm. schooling, um, and, and different, you know, all the stuff that goes with that. And so very much a vision that goes far beyond, can I keep my guys busy? Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously the, the vehicle for all of this is at this point has been electrical. Right. You know, we are, we're electricians, but it's really just a means to an end. Right. And we right. have laughed in house many times um, the church guys and the non-church guys, like if the electrical market was to dry up and disappear, the the ten or fifteen of us will band together and you know wash cars for a living. Right. <laughs> we would like to continue working together. So, I mean, that's such an interesting. We'll do whatever. Rare. Would it would it not be rare? I don't Let me know. rephrase that. It's I, rare. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no. I mean, is that that's rare? Like you got a guy, a group of guys here. Like, hey, we've decided that we can do this. We do whatever we want, and you're doing it, and we're doing it. And if it all dries up, and we're sure. all, you know, whatever, you, you still have the same group of guys who are like, we're still together. Right. What What's next? So, which uh, is while I mean, we're here, that's awesome. It is awesome, and yeah. I, it's a blast to be. I'm breaking chairs, folks. What my bad. clunk yeah, was, that, was yeah. the office chair yeah. disintegrating. Um, the the it's a blast to be a part of it. It's a blast to be in leadership in it. I'll touch on this because it's here. Yeah. Um, the second company that we started earlier this year, uh, my two partners are both 
my employees on the electrical side, they're employees, and I wanted them to partner with me on a new venture. And the reason okay. for that okay. was twofold. One is because it touches on this idea of we want to be together on these things. Right. And it was one of those guys is very slow and methodical. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the opposite of me. I'm I'm running and I'm going to jump. Yeah, you're and going. I'm, gonna, I'm off the cliff. Right. And he's the guy who who's reining me in and saying, "Have you thought about?" But when we when we started this new company, I'm on literally in the in the space of thirty minutes. I'm on the phone with my client. Yeah. I said I have an idea. Let me talk to a couple of people, and I called the middle guy. Yep. Um, who's my basically my top guy in the field on the electrical side. Right, right. This is the guy I worked for directly. Right, correct. It, it, yeah. So I called him and I said, can we do this? Can we be the gen- can we be general contractors or am I just an idiot? What did he say? He said, we can do it. Here's the parameters. I'm like, okay, got it. Now, and when I, you called him, where's what's he doing? Is he on a job? He's on a job. He's on a job. You call him while he's doing a job. As an electrician. As and a out of the blue, right. you ask him if you can start a company with him. Right. And he says, well, sure. Well, what I said is, are we physical cap- physically capable of managing a project like this? We're talking at the, uh, the project we were about to take on was supposed to be on budget at two million dollars which is okay it's huge but it's not huge got it and it's currently um it's by the time it's finished it will be probably a 3.5 million dollar project overall overall budget all the trades everything involved so i called him and i said can we physically bite this and and handle it and he said yes and do you want to partner so he he asked me. Got it. And I said, I might want a partner. I'll call you back. Okay. And I hung up on him. And he goes back to work. And, and he goes back to doing. work. Yeah. And I walk. I, I pace when I'm on the phone. Yeah. And so I walk around the corner into my general manager's office, who is our third partner. Yeah. And I sat down in his, and he's the one who, he's a, an opposite to me. Yeah. And he's so good. Logistics. For logistics. This is your logistics guy. He's very organized and very methodical and i yeah. sat down in, in his chair and i said you want to be a three-way partner on a general contracting and, and firm what do you say he said let's do it and there's no pause he just there's jumps no in. pause he jumps in which means he'd probably already it's so far outside the box for him to just step off the cliff like that right right and so 20 minutes later we have committed to something that is a game changer for all three of us huge game not, not just like I mean, you're sure you're you're taking you're. I mean, this is literally you're taking the bull. Yeah. And <laughs> like proverbially, yeah. You know, take the bull by the horn. Everybody says that, right? But you literally—that's what you're doing, right? It's like no, we're gonna. It's still it's bucking. It's going crazy, yeah. and we just strapped in, right? And we're the three on. of us yeah. together, eight second ride. Not Let's because go. of it, but because of each other. Because we know we can. Because with the three of you, with the three of us. Okay, got it. And so. That's an example of, okay, in all reality, we can grab hands, lock arms, and do anything we want. So that's a version of that that's physically happening right now. All right. Um, so this is going to move us right into this. The second thing I want to talk to you about, Andrew, th- <clears throat> so 
there's a there's a my grandfather was a business owner and going back in my mind I don't remember him talking to me and this is probably the old school way of doing it but I don't remember him talking to me about the things he didn't like and I know that there's things that he didn't like or that you know things that were challenges but all I ever remember him talking to me about was the privilege that it was mm. to serve. Now, he was an implement dealer in Hartley, Iowa, and he offered guarantees on farm equipment long before dealers and manufacturers of farm equipment were offering guarantees, and the guarantee was himself, right? And he always talked about privilege, the privilege that it was. Relationships are a privilege. People are a privilege. Um, freedom, that success, whether it's in the form of connections or money provides, it's a privilege. And he always talked to me about privilege. And so that's really what I want to touch on. What's our, with respect to my next question, I'd like to talk to you about what, what are some of the greatest privileges, uh, business ownership wise, like what you, things that maybe you didn't see coming, or maybe you did, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you were to say, listen, this is something that if I stepped down tomorrow, this would be the thing that I missed, or this would be the concept or, or the role in which I am now operating in that I miss more than privilege. I'll just leave it at that, right. and I'm going to give it to you. Okay. So I would, and this may be a little bit off topic, but I would preface this by saying we live in a society where privilege is a bad word. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it, yeah. It has you know, become right. a, a like negative connotation. Right. And I I categorically reject that concept. Okay. Now, Tell pri us why. privilege is responsibility. Yes. If, if you're privileged, you also are responsible for certain things. Um, but but your, the fact that you have privilege should not necessarily be a negative. And I just, that crosses my mind as you as you prep us for this next section. Yeah, yeah. So privileges of ownership um, are twofold. Well, they're many-fold, but two things that I would point out, and one is influence. Okay. And, and we've touched on that already, but I get to touch a lot of people, and, again, that carries the weight of of responsibility uh, so influence and freedom are the two things the two words that I would use influence and freedom so so let's talk about freedom first okay because I think influence will take a little bit more the way I, maybe yeah. not but let's just talk about the freedom first If I were to rephrase it, no, I don't want to rephrase it. I just wanted to go right there. Influence and freedom are the two things you said. Right. So freedom. Start with the last one. Okay. What are we talking about? Define, like, when you say this is a, this, and the, and the concept is I'm going to lose this freedom if I lose this responsibility. Maybe. So, Maybe not. So I would just phrase it like this. I'm going to lose this freedom if I lose this responsibility. I'll have to come back to that. Okay. Yes. 
so the responsibility gives you I have all of this responsibility and it gives me freedom okay that is that is true it has been true in my case unfortunately Unfortunately, I guess I would say there. I think there are a lot of people who carry responsibility, but don't end up with the freedom that that can be attached to it. Okay. So in my case, that responsibility has always given me a greater and greater. The more responsibility, the greater the freedom. And it's such a privilege. I mean, I'm in. Right now, I, I live in Sioux Falls. I am in Salt Lake City, and this is a perfect example of freedom. Mm-hmm. I, I am in Salt Lake City for three weeks. Right. And that's not a normal thing. I mean, for that's it's an extreme privilege. Right. We're hanging out. Yeah. We're drinking coffee. Right. We're, we're, we're spending time with our families. Right. I'm off the grid for three weeks, and it will not be the only time that I disappear from my life and my job in that sense this year. This right. will happen multiple times this year. Okay. So that's a privilege. It's a freedom, right? It's a freedom. And I think that one of my fears or the things that I'm extremely conscious of or try to remain really, really focused on is that that freedom not get away from me and then yeah. I not just take that ability to just, hey, I'm out. See yeah. you guys later. Manage without me. Yeah. And that I don't just take that and then go do whatever I want because that defeats the purpose that we talked about earlier. That defeats the purpose of why the Lord let me do this, honestly. that's He didn't let me do it so that I could just be a wandering traveler and right. do all the things I want to do. Right. That's not what it's for. Verse comes to mind. Okay. Uh, it used not thy liberty for a cloak of covetousness. So we're, you're literally talking about having the ability to do things that maybe not be entirely. Now, that reference, obviously, I'm taking that out of context. That sure. reference is talking about the fact that I have a liberty within the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to be free from sin, not free from sin by action of me, but free from sin by my faith and trust in him and his action, his life on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection. And it says there's a liberty within that. Um, and here's what I think as a culture, we get sidetracked on things pretty significantly with respect to the ideas of freedom and liberty. There's this false idea that freedom gives you the right to do whatever you want. But when we're talking about the biblical doctrine of entrepreneurship and owning a business from a Christian perspective, liberty and freedom, in the same context that it is provided to someone who has accepted Christ as their Savior, is provided for you to do the right thing, Correct. not the wrong thing. Right. Got it. And so, yes, it's an extreme privilege to be free to, to move about the cabin, so to speak. Right. But... I'm aware and would like to remain aware that that the Lord has a responsibility for that and if I if I misuse that freedom then I'm either wasting something yeah. or about to lose something. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is neither of those is interesting to me. 
uh, I don't want to be wasteful, and I also don't want to regress. I don't want to go backward and lose something that right. the Lord's allowed me to touch, and then he takes it because I didn't handle it right. Yeah. It's a single talent. You know, what did exactly. you do with it? Well, I buried exactly. it because I was afraid. Yeah. But you also, you know, if he had taken that and spent it, he's in the same trouble or more than if he just held it and didn't multiply it. Which is an interesting concept concerning what we're talking about. Is the person who, we've got a, a rescue helicopter going right over us. Somebody's out here in the Wasatch. <laughs> they thought more snow, of their ability. Yep, yep. Than they. So you've got a story of three men in the Bible, and uh, they were all given a certain amount of talents. And to cut it short, you have one who doubles it, and the second one doubles it, and the third one gets scared, gets nervous, wants to do the right thing, doesn't know what to do, buries it. And um, it's a parable the Lord used to show the concept of what? What would be the concept of, like, because you're, you're using this as a way to say this freedom that provides a doubling of something comes with responsibility. Responsibility. Sure. And what is the number one killer of that freedom Well, in a business world? So it's either waste or fear. Waste or fear. Yeah. And, and either one. In the parable, it was fear. Yeah. Fear was given as the excuse. So it's, but in in my world, that's a real in business. Fear is a huge thing. Okay. What if I I step, I take the next step, and I fall or I fail or the money's not there or the market wasn't what I thought it was? All of these actual technical logistics. You can go to Barnes and Noble, and buy shelves and shelves of books dealing with this issue. People are afraid, even really successful people, and some people use it to drive themselves, and that's okay, I guess. But so I have something that the Lord's allowed me to touch, and I either don't have the, I, I don't like the term self-confidence, but I, don't e- I either don't have the self-confidence or I don't trust him. Yeah. And so I don't do what I should to make it productive and profitable. Or I take the profit and I don't store up any of that corn for next year, that idea, and I blow it all. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's extreme, that freedom to do stuff and have things and move and build things, it's, it's a real thing, but you have to treat it right, otherwise, or it bites you. Sure. Well, and yeah. it's bad. It's bad for you, and it's bad for the other things that the Lord allows you to be a part of. So it's not only okay. Well, that's interesting. So, but I mean, so I'm sitting here thinking this will get you, and you're saying no. Yeah, it will. It definitely will. But the more devastating part is it gets everybody attached to you. Well, like oh, you, sure. But at this point, when you mess up, and we touched on this at the beginning. You're taking a whole ship down. Well, so we'll get to that. Yeah, well. we will. That's we our will. Next, yeah, it that's is. our next stop. It is. We, we keep jumping ahead. <laughs> but I mean, no, but you're seriously talking like this freedom. Right. And I think what I'm trying to show or what I'm trying to articulate for my own sake is even in the concept of what we're talking about, 
you're not you're you you can't even in your own self right here sitting with me you can't even articulate it without being worried about the people attached to it absolutely which i think is a key to how you've gotten to where you've gotten right because it's not ever been about your freedom though that's no a part of it i enjoy my freedom right that's attached to it but that's not the driver right the driver is not so that i can spend you know, two months or six months or however many months a year doing what I want. And it's not so that I have money. Right. Although there's perks associated with that. It's uh, There's no denying that a successful business should be generating some income. Right. Uh, my wife and I have talked about this. Yeah. Because she'll say, well, I feel like we just have so much and that, you know, maybe, maybe we sh- we're not supposed to, or maybe we shouldn't, and maybe the goal shouldn't be to, to, mm. to generate and to mm. multiply. Mm. And my comment to that is always this, and I may be wrong, but my, my mindset on it is the Lord put it here. And for whatever reason, I'm, I am good at this. And if I, the Lord can take that. The Lord can take my ability to be good at this yeah. in, a, in a split second. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the, the opportunity is here, and I'm here, and there's no, there's nothing unspiritual about multiplying this thing. Right. And a byproduct of that is that there will be more and more and more, and maybe we'll cap out. Uh, that's, I mean, it's a real thing. Yeah the market or the Lord or, or whatever. Yeah. But as long as we don't cap out, it's not about, Oh, we need to have less. It's about, we need to make sure that what we have, we're using appropriately and that we are, I mean, it's super important to me that, that we, um, that we honor the Lord in all of it. Right. In the return, in the profit, in all of it. Right. And that my personal and my business are both geared toward doing what's right and making sure that the Lord gets his due. Yeah. And not as a matter of, you know, as soon as you say his due, it's like that. Yeah, we could never. That religious, like. Yeah, yeah. I know I I have to pay my dues and I don't want to. It's not that. Right. It's, It's tithe and offering. Yeah. And both of those need to happen out of what the Lord has allowed us to generate. Got it. Got it. Now, you, you, you're you using a term that I don't know that you even know. Again, I, so I, 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 I'm picking up on stuff. And you've used a word mm-hmm. a couple times, but you're using it in a way that most people would dismiss. And the okay. word is opportunity. Sure. And you're, you're saying... You're, you're literally saying, um, this is what I was doing. And then on, because of that, this was generated. Right. Most people would look at that right there and say, oh, good, that's profit. That's me. That's, I got that. That's, that's just extra. Sure. And you're saying, oh, look, that's another door. Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're taking what's, what you're generating and you're just generating more with it. My grandfather had a saying, and I thought it was his, maybe it came from somewhere else, but he used to say that luck 
is the crossroads of preparation and opportunity. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is, correct me if I'm wrong, um, the more opportunity you get, the more prepared you're making yourself for the inevitable opportunity that's produced. Right. And you're using your freedom to do that. Correct. Got it. And when I stop using my freedom to do that and I start spending it on me. Yeah. Like, I like stuff. Yeah. As much as the next guy. Yeah. Sometimes more. Yeah. But if I let myself do that with my opportunity and the profits that my opportunity has generated thus far, I will I will cease to see opportunity. You lose the vision right. of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you cease to see it. You cease to have it. You cease to be able to. You you have to have stockpile sometimes to walk through the next door, which is what you just said. Right. So sometimes I need those profits. This is the, I mean, again, to draw a Bible parallel. Yeah, please. This is the the Joseph and the good seven years and the bit and followed by the seven years of famine. Yeah, yeah. And if they had just lived in excess for seven years, it would have been super easy to eat all of that profit up. Yeah, disappears. But instead, they stored it. And he saved the Middle East. Quite literally. Yeah. Not just his country, not just Egypt. Yeah. But literally all the way up to, you know, basically Europe. You know? Present day. Yeah. yeah, present yeah no, day. But no kidding. People are like, yeah. I hear there's corn in Egypt. Right. And they're sending, right. in essence, pilgrimages down to him. Right. But the the other part of that story, which I I try to live by in the right way, is that when he had the stockpile and people started coming to him, he, he did not give. He sold. Got it. And by the time that story is over, Joseph was working for the Pharaoh. And by the time that story is over... The Pharaoh owned everything, which is a fascinating. Yeah, I'm not advocating. No, I hear you. But the concept of of it is there, though. It's business. Yeah, it's it's quite literally business in real time. Right. He's making his man right profit. Profit. Which is, I mean, the the raw definition of profit is what do I have that I didn't start with? Okay. And so he took the corn he started with, and when he was done, all the corn was gone, but he owned the cattle, Mm -hmm. he owned the land, and he owned, I mean, again, very politically incorrect, and I'm not pushing this, but but the story goes, the history of it is the cattle, the land, and the people, he owned all of it. Yeah, yeah. So, and it was a business mindset rather than a charity mindset right and again there's there's a definite place for generosity and charity and we may we may get to that in a little bit here Uh, but but it was driven by a very shrewd what we would call a shrewd business mindset. yes i tell my sons all the time the worth is in the work Mm -hmm. and if someone's getting quote unquote worth without work right then that thing they're getting isn't worth anything to them. Right. And so it doesn't really matter, like you said, whether it's corn, cattle, 
money, gold, silver, bronze, whatever the worth is, or let's trade that word for reward. Mm-hmm. Reward has no worth unless there's work in it. Right, unless you, unless you gave something to it. And in this definition or in the context with respect to what we're talking about, you're looking at freedom as the reward, which is worth nothing without the work. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. I like it. So now let's go to the first thing that you said. Right. Influence. Right. So that ties back to, uh, I, I, I'd say there's two facets of this. One is what we've already kind of touched on, which is I have the ability to, um, I have the ability to touch people's lives and families and give them a platform to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So. Freedom goes into influence. Influences. He's he's folks. What what's happening right now is he's having an epiphany. No, well, I'm just trying so, to make sure I don't forget. Later. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I've muted him, but I didn't mute myself. <clears throat> I'm going to turn him back on now because you all know exactly what's going on anyway. <laughs> so he's he's over here. He's like, whoa, this is a good thought. And so he's now he's he's cramming for paper. He's writing stuff down. Um, by the way, I was reading something this morning, and this might be something that you because we'll get into influence in a second. Um, it was habits of successful people, right? And one of the things was you'll never find someone who's doing something, building something, producing something that doesn't have the opportunity close by, if not in their pocket, pen and paper, I need to record this. I need to write this down because when thoughts come, uh, a plan comes, um, an agenda comes, uh, it's, is it unrealistic to believe that you're going to actually be able to remember that thing. I have a horrible memory. Horrible memory. So you're writing stuff down. Uh, in my 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 awareness of you, pen and paper is rare, as far as that being the tool. Right. It's He's got a phone. A phone. <laughs> it's the phone. <laughs> the Notes app gets a lot of use. Right. It's yeah. The miracle of the modern the, age. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. Complete side note. Yeah. I had a conversation this morning with someone. Um, I paid for goods and services from my phone into their phone. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a a code on my phone and they scanned it with their phone and then we were done. The transaction was done. Yeah. And I laughed and I said to the the young lady, I said, I love that I can run multiple businesses and be across the country from what I do. Yeah. And all I need is my phone. Literally. I do. And you run it. Right. I do not need a laptop. I do not need a, a desktop. I need a phone. So I love the tech. To add a personal story to this, about six, seven, eight, eight months ago now, uh, folks, I got real sick. I ended up in the hospital, and Andy came out to um, kind of just take care of my kids mm-hmm. while I was in the hospital, and he forgot his phone in the Uber. Panic mode. <laughs> <laughs> I got in the cab at the airport, and I left my phone on the dashboard. Of the Uber. Of the Uber. Yeah. And I, I, I was in complete chaos. Like, I don't know Salt Lake City well enough right. to drive. Right. I can, so he, he took my truck. You took my truck. You run back to the airport. Nothing. Nobody. I had a he, description of the cab driver. And yeah. And the security officer at the airport laughed. Salt Lake City police. Yeah. And he said, that fits 90% of the cabbies <laughs> in this city. He's like, there's no way you're going to find him because I didn't have a name. Right. So you buy a new phone. I bought I, the first stop. First stop. Nolan was in the hospital. Rachel was headed to the hospital. Yeah. His wife. Yep. And 
I literally, I put the kids in the truck and I said, we're going to find a phone store. And that, and you did. So that was our immediate stop. stop. Bought a new phone. Next day. The cab driver, the Uber driver showed up. He had found my phone fallen between the seat and the console. Yeah. When he went to clean the car at the end of the day, vacuum out. Yeah. And he backtracked it and figured out. And he knocks on the door at the house at 7 a.m., 7.30, (laughs) something like that, uh, and knocks on the door. And the only thing he's like, I think this is your phone. He's like, can you unlock it? And when I could unlock it, he's like, yep. And he handed it back to me. I'm like, you are the best. Cool. So I don't use that phone. It lives in a drawer at my office. Right, because you downloaded everything. Everything had already moved, and I'm not doing it again. Yeah. (laughs) So, wow, wow, okay. So the phone definitely, just in my knowledge of him, um, he's not he's not cruising YouTube and he's not swiping right or whatever they right. do. I don't even know what that means. That could mean something horrible. It means something horrible. It does. Okay, yeah, stop well, it. Well, yeah, I don't know what that. Um, but <laughs> let's get back to right. the concept of influence. And so, if we're going to talk about influence, just for a second, as as we go on here, we're going to move on to the next thing. You said there's two aspects of this. Right. So we've touched on the personal already. It's it's that platform of being able to give guys some stability, give guys an income that matters and that allows them to do what they need to do. Yeah. Give guys a, a work environment that's not, um, I mean, just, just bluntly put, that's not driven by the wrong music and the wrong visuals and the wrong right. ideology. Right, right, right. Um, we're not, um, we're very unwoke. And, Fair enough. And the guys that we hire tend to be that way. And and it's not a hard and fast, but it's just, it's like attracts like. Yeah. Birds um, of a feather. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so there's all of that. And that's a real part of what I think about and why I do what I do. Uh, influence also, which is a little bit, bit more... A, a little bit less personal to me, but it is, a, it is a real part of this, and it is something that happens as you grow and mature and profit yeah. is you end up with some outside influence. You end up with, with ties to the community. You end up with uh, people who are interested in the same things you're interested in, maybe at a political level or at a business um, community business level and you just meet more and more people and so sometimes that's a, a way to generate more business again it's a door it's an yeah. opportunity and yeah. you meet somebody you're like that's a guy I need to know so that happens but sometimes you end up being the guy that they need to know right and so now I have influence on them because for some, for whatever reason whether it's my services or my mindset, they have, I have something that they want. Yeah. And so now I've, I've gone outside of my circle of 15 guys or 20 guys or my church and I'm interacting with other owners. Uh, I have a client right now who is in his eighties and owns many, many things. Okay. Um, and I, I have no idea what his net worth would be, but it's it's what I would consider high. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I can call him and I can say, hey, what do you think about this? And 
can I would can I have a piece of, you know, you own a property. This just happened actually. You own a property over there. We'd like to to have a little piece of that. Um, we'd like to lease some of it, or or maybe eventually buy some of it. Right. And that's the edge of that influence of being able to call a guy who owns lots of stuff and sit down and have a, a real conversation with him and then do some business and then come back. And in all of that, there have been a couple of times he's very uh, – he's Lutheran. Yeah. Which um, – but not, not practicing and not bought in and not – Right, And right. so it's – it's presented a couple of opportunities where with an old guy like that, I like him a lot, but I'm almost certain that he is not a saved man. And it's presented some opportunity to sit down and be like, well, um, here's the differences between religion and salvation. Here's yeah. the differences between Lutheranism and Baptist, but also here's the difference. Like it really, I'm not a Baptist because I'm Baptist. I'm Baptist because... I'm being driven to that by by doctrine and scripture. Right. And so you can talk to a guy like that. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I would assume that in his age and his era, he's heard the gospel somewhere, but I don't know that. And so just a little bit of that yeah. happening. But even influence. still, e- even still, you're using the influence. So this reminds me, uh, so I'm a preacher and Bible verses come to mind. And there's a verse that talks about you have not because you ask not. But it goes on to say, when you do ask, you ask amiss. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Sure. But the concept is you're, you're asking for things that would be detrimental to you. And having influence, I think, at the level that we're talking about, is done inside a confined idea. In other words, I, I have influence, but I know that it's most beneficial. The influence that I have is most beneficial when I'm using those opportunities to create more freedom, which create more opportunities, and the influence I have, which puts me on the phone with a guy who's a multimillionaire, accomplished guy, and say, hey, uh, you own this and I want it. Mm-hmm. And he's listening. Right. Right? So here's the thing that I want you to ask you. Did you – what is – how do you get to the point – or how did you how did you understand the reality that you're not owed influence? Ooh, um, that this was something no one was going to give you. In fact, they're actively going to try to keep it away from you. So, and then when you understood that, mm-hmm. what what we, give me some steps here? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna chase influence. Mm-hmm. Not even knowing what I'm go- what I want from it. Right. I, I just want the influence as a standalone. Is that am I right or? Sure, because that's. So the term I use is weight. Yeah. Um, and you've probably heard me say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want the weight of being able. And this may I don't intend for this to sound selfish or self-serving. And as I live my life I try not to let it be selfish or self-serving but I want the weight of being able to walk into a room or a or a business or uh, any setting that 
that I choose, honestly. I want the weight of being able to walk in and either buy or move or talk until I get the thing I'm after. Okay. Again, that has at the risk of sounding really selfish, and I don't, I don't intend it that way. But I want to be able to say to one of my guys that works for me, you need to work on this. Okay. It's hurting you that you don't see this about yourself and that you aren't working actively to solve this problem in yourself. You know, your um, I've got a, I've got a guy who is um but even still you're using the idea of influence right to to help, re- to to help. help him. Like I need to have the influence in your life. Correct. So the other term for this would be relationship capital. Correct. Got it. That's the that would be the the term that that you would find in a book. Got it. So, again, I I tend to use the term weight, but I want to be able to look at one of my guys that I can see is struggling with something and say, adjust this, um, move this piece over here a little bit, and I think you'll find that it helps you. And when did you realize nobody, like, Hmm. nobody gives that to you? Nobody gives that to you. And how did you go about, and I know this is subjective to to each person, Right. Right. So but I, would, I mean, you did some of this with me. Sure. And so it's, I, Hey, I brought it up. Go no, for it. Right. No, this gets into a, this gets into a couple of things, I think. And again, I may be wrong on these issues, but I think that part of it starts with, with, I'm going to use the term generosity, but the truth is we're talking about buying something. Yeah. So the first stage of just raw, I want something, is can I pay for it? That's the first stage. I think so. Okay. That's the, that's the most... Juvenile? Maybe uh, not wrong word. I would use the word American, uh, capitalistic. Well, yeah, okay. In okay. raw capitalism, can you afford what you're asking for? And so if you're talking about people... I have a guy who works for me who was working somewhere that was, you know, he's working 70 hours a week, and he's he's newly married and um, some some small kids, and it's it's too much. You shouldn't be killing yourself to support your family. Okay. So what I want for for him is to provide him a stable environment for he and his family. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. For he and his family to grow and for him to be where the Lord wants him to be in church and all of this. Yeah. And the way to get that without overstepping my bounds is to offer him employment. And so when we're talking about buying something, I bought what I wanted for him. By paying okay. him for it. Okay. Now, is that too, like, that's fairly ethereal. Well, it could be. But I, I wanted something for him, and I also saw in him that he was going to benefit me, and he was going to benefit my company. So pause there for a second. Right. 
there's and, and I know we'll get into some ethics here a little bit, but we're talking about challenges. No, we're not. We're talking about that's next. Right. We're talking about influence. And what you're saying is, is there is there an ethical line concerning, listen, this guy has something I want, right. but he doesn't have it right now. Sure. And I need to put the thing I want from him in him, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to capitalize on it. Correct. But I'm also going to reward him for it. Correct. And that's not a right he's going to give you. Because he doesn't know. Because he, he doesn't, doesn't know. He doesn't know. And if I tried to explain it to him, he wouldn't understand. Got it. And so you're not going to explain it as much as you are going to build it. Correct. Got we're, it. We're going to build something that's going to be good for him. My intent is that it be good for him. And this influence. And then also going to be good for me. Right. Now. I personally think that it's more important the first part. It has to be good for him first. Okay. It has to be the driver for this whole thing. Because if it's just good for me, then I would make different choices. Yeah. Because I can also buy that Yeah. at a lot less cost. I can go out to the open market mm-hmm. and I can buy... Uh, just, uh, I can buy an electrician. Yeah, his service to my company, ready-made, ready-made, journeyman level. That's right, for thirty-five bucks an hour plus benefits. Okay, current market. Yeah, you know, thirty-five, forty bucks an hour plus benefits. Or I can go buy a salesperson and give him, you know, twenty percent commission and a couple of perks and a car. Yeah, and I've bought his service to my company. Right. And then I can befriend him, and I bought his loyalty to my company. Right. So I can do all of that much easier than I can take a guy that I know and who's a personal friend of mine, and I look at him out in the weeds somewhere. Yeah. Busting his tail for a guy who hates God Mm -hmm. and doesn't care about his church or his family, Mm -hmm. and it's raw capitalism. Right. I will pay you $30 an hour for 70 hours a week plus overtime and he's market value nowhere close to that no but they'll pay him yeah because he's he's worker yeah right and i can see that guy and i can say all right i can i can build let's let's do some work here Mm. and and change hopefully change a trajectory of an entire life potentially so this influence would it be fair for me to say that this is why what you all are doing doesn't matter. Correct. That's why the job doesn't matter. Because you're... Right. We'll do whatever. Right. It's because not about the thing. You're, it's not about the, the work. You're it, influencing... It's c- about work, but it's not about this particular work. As opposed to, I'm buying an electrician. Electricians sure. go under, he quits. He's leaving. He right. doesn't care about you. Right. This guy, he's going to stay with you. So, uh, this is also touches on this influence issue but one of the huge things uh, and again this is a catchy term and you can read books about it if you are so inclined Mm -hmm. but workplace culture yeah yeah and i am even again we talked about the outs uh the the church guys and the unchurched guys Mm -hmm. some saved some you know 
doing no, no idea doing yeah, their own yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but over all of that, we have tried to build a culture that is uh, that's honest. Yep. And that's friendly. Yeah. And that's ethical. And I'm not talking about our customers now, although we give all of that to them. I'm talking about our guys. Yeah. So I I look at all of my guys and say, your family is way more important than this job is. Yeah. So you need to take an unscheduled two days to be with your child for whatever reason. Or, you know, your wife's having a rough week and so, hey, we're going to hit the road. We're going to drive three hours and spend the night in an Airbnb or whatever. Yeah. And that wasn't on the schedule. We'll figure out what to do to make that happen. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. The families and the... Um, the chi- the kids and your personal I got a guy who has no family but what he does have is some some hard days and you know there's days he wakes up and it's just not going to be a day that he's going to be able to be productive yeah and he'll call and he'll say hey you know again popular terminology is mental health day sure and I'll be like look do what you got to do and We'll see you next week. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I want him with me. I mean, that's the same guy. We we just signed him on, which I've never done before. New experience for me. We just put him on a five-year contract. Okay. Because he was going to move. And I'm like, I want you here. Yeah. I want you to stay with me. Let's talk about this money. Let's talk about this time frame. And what can we do to make you a better person yeah while you work here so much of what you're talking about and i I know i don't think you're trying this now you were never in the service i was not this sounds like an environment in which a guy named robert bailey built for me right like very much hey what we're doing is entirely literally and i'm we're gonna fight mujahideen all right, but now we're going to transition from the desert to the sea, and we're going to fight pirates. All right, okay, but now we're going to switch and we're going to go to Haiti and we're going to do riot control in food riots, absolute, and we're going to capture drug lords. Right. Right. Okay, but now we're going to go to Iraq and we're gonna we're gonna rock and roll with like Fallujah and we're gonna do that stuff, and um, we're gonna defuse bombs. And this is a guy that I literally, and I folks don't do this, but we were so tight. I would do anything for him. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. We were pretty sure that we were dealing with an inert explosive. We tied a grappling hook on the back of a Humvee and drove over it and tried to hook it like we were fishing. I mean, ridiculous. But the thing, he tried to tell me I couldn't go with him. And I'm like, listen, and this is a Bible theory as well. Right. Elijah to Elijah. Like, I'm not leaving I'm you. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I don't care where we go. I don't care what we do. And that, I mean, give me, don't don't let me take the floor here. Um, but it sounds like that's what you're building. And I know some of your guys. Right. And they're very much like, hey, um, we're with you. So that's why to back up to the new business. Yeah. Uh, that's why those guys jumped on. But it's also why I wanted them. To, so talking about influence. Yeah. 
I wanted them to be tied. So there's a fine line here between I own a company solely and it's, it's profitable and productive and I don't want to give any of that away. I don't mm. want to start selling pieces of that company. Okay. You know, which may or may not be the right thing, but that's just how I think about it. I want sole proprietorship on that that deal. But if I'm going to start something new, there's room to bring guys in, and that's twofold. One is now they're t- they're they're locked. It's the golden handcuffs. So yeah. if you know anything about business at all, um, it's the golden handcuffs. I want this guy to be so involved that he can't leave. So when times get tough, we're going to work it out. It's a yeah. marriage, basically. Yeah. We're just going to figure it out because there's no other option. So mm. that's a great place to be. Yes. It forces you to be to be open and honest and, and get it handled. Yeah. So I want that for those guys, but I also see, I don't know how far into the future, but I see profit in the future, and I want to give them a piece of that because it allows them to be part of something that isn't a salary. Yeah. So as, as an electrician, okay. I pay them and I pay them every week. They get a paycheck. Yeah. By the way, off topic completely. Yeah. What's up? I like one week salaries. Okay. Um, it's just, it allows well, you. Well, no, that's not. It I allows mean, the guys to manage better. Got it. I loved it as an employee, and I do it as an owner on purpose. Okay. 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 Side note. But it's very much still the same thing. Like you've realized <laughs> what works. You've realized what your guys, based off personal right. experience, yep. and you're doing it. Right. Okay. So I pay those guys a salary, um, but I want them to be part of something that has the potential. If we do it right and we do it well and we follow the same code. Yeah. of ethics and spiritual decisions that we're following over here on business A, business B will turn into something, and I want them to have an ownership stake because it's profitable for them. It's mm. a life changer if we do it right. Now, I'm, I'm sure you've thought about this, but this model will work. You will, you'll work yourself out of being relevant. Sure, and <laughs> I'm uh, look. I, this is another weird. Maybe we're here to talk about this. It's not on our list of questions. Yeah, but I have no shortage of ideas. Okay, so okay. I mean, if I so again, I'm in Salt Lake for three weeks, and my general manager, who is on, the general manager on the electrical side, who is also a partner in the new venture. Yeah. Um. He said to me, he's like, I'm really glad that you're leaving town for three weeks. He's like, it's going to be really <laughs> relaxing around here without you over here. And why, why, why though? What's the, what's, the, what's, why is he relaxed? Because I'm, I'm off the. Because you're running. I'm running. And, and you're I, running I on things you have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I generate my own energy. It's like a steam engine. You're just chugga, 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 chugga. And so I'm doing that thing. So as an example, and we've talked about this, but I'll yeah. repeat it for the the giant listening audience. Yeah, yeah well, you know. Huge. Yeah, um, it's going to be it's gonna be beautiful. It's going to be epic. Yeah. Um, so the week before I came out here was the week before Christmas. Okay. And we moved our entire offices from a 2,500-square-foot space to a 10,000-square-foot space. Significant jump. Big jump. We moved everything over. Um, we cleaned house while we did that. That took mm-hmm. three days. 
we set up the new offices in an empty warehouse, turned on the internet, and we're operational. Mm-hmm. We, um, I did a deal for a car. I had a Christmas party at my comp- for the company, all the guys. Yeah. We do this thing every year at a Brazilian grill. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Unlimited meat thing. Yeah. Um, so we had they, all. I'm sure Brazilian loses money once a year for that group. Well, they think they're making money, but then the, pro- the P&L at the end of the month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't prove out. Folks, so. he's got some guys <laughs> that can put it down. And I'm like, one of them. And he's one of them. He's one uh, of them. So we did all of this in that week. And, and my, my GM, he said, you, how did you, why, why are we doing this? And how did you find the time? And I'm like, I don't, it's just, I like it. Yeah. So he was glad I was going. But the bottom line is, um, if I work myself out of a job in these places, the goal is twofold. One is that they be part of my, that they continue to provide income. Yes. That's like, again, that's self-serving at some point, but it's. But it's it's a requirement. It's a requirement and it's a long-term vision for me is that I be involved in businesses that continue to pay me even if I don't have to touch them every day. Okay. So that's the definition of a business is not, if you are a, if you're a one-man show or a two-man show or whatever size you are and you have to be there every day, mm-hmm. it's not a saleable business. You can't offload it. It's not something that's actually – there's no – you're the business. Yes. And as long as I am required to show up every day – Then you're not getting paid when you show up in Salt Lake City for three weeks. That's right. Yeah. I can't leave and it just move on like I'm there. Okay. So um, – that's part of the goal, but the other the other part is that, you know, if I don't have to touch, if I get both of these businesses to a point where I'm not involved daily, but I'm involved in an oversight or, again, big business term would be board level, mm-hmm. C-suite level, mm-hmm. where I'm around, but I don't actually do anything. Right, right. So then I can start something else. And you've got, you've got them lined up. Sure. The ideas are lined up, man. You've got them. Like, there's no shortage. There's no shortage. I'm, I, I'm curious so let me ask about you this. many things. Before we move on to the next thing, let me ask you this. Is this a teachable skill, the, sh- the no shortage of ideas, or is this something that you have? No, I think it's teachable. You think it's teachable? To teach someone this hunger is teachable? I think it is. Okay. Because I didn't come up with it. So who would you attribute... To the, I think, and, and, and let me, let me, yeah. I think that's unfair for me to say one person because for my life, it's not been one person. It's been men mm. that the Lord has put in my life. And, you know, and I've told, you know, from a, a guy named Robert Bailey to a guy named Ron Tottenham to a guy named Eric McCandless to a guy named uh, Shane Smith to a guy named Jim Sickmeyer. These are guys in my life that were not going to take, they weren't, gonna, I wasn't going to run over them. Mm-hmm. And it would be unfair. To one or two, Tom Rose, you know Bob Harbin. These are guys that were like, "No, you're you little punk, you, no." And I think where the Lord has me today mm-hmm. is a result of Him investing in me through these men. Other men, sure. So, with that as the preface for this question, I am going to be unfair. Mm-hmm. Is there a guy that was that you can say that was a pivot point in your life? This changed. 
with his investment into me. So I don't know that I would call, I, it is an investment, but I don't know if he even realized that in this sense. Right. For sure. Yeah. So I would put Ron Tottingham in that category. Okay. Because when I first met him, he was very active in pushing other men to own things. Yeah. Well, he, he's good at pushing things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so I watched him. You know, he was the pastor at our church when I started attending there, when I yeah. became a member. Um, and so I watched him push other people to do other things. Okay. And it that, to be honest, that was a, a pivot for me to say, oh, I don't just need to work for someone. Yeah. And that's the start of it for me. Because that was your mindset, was just sure. like get a job get and a job pay and, the rent. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and you realize over time, I mean years, yeah, that um, that that's not the requirement. Like I can do something else. I can be the owner. Yeah, I can be the the manager. Okay, I can I can be in a position of of freedom and influence. And that was definitely his thing. Like, why right. isn't it you? Right. Why aren't you doing? Right. Why aren't you a business owner in this city? Okay. And making decisions downtown at City Hall. So it started with him. So I would say that was like a, a revelatory concept. Yeah. Um, the current pastor, yeah, Pastor McCandless, is very much that way, but in a, in a much more, you've got to watch for it. Mm-hmm. He's not just going to like hit you with the two by four. Right. But it's there. It's there, but he's going to leave it up to you to pick it up. you got to find it and pick it up. Yeah. And so... Once that light turned on, it's there, and I have access to, to incredible um, Bible wisdom mm. from him mm-hmm. at in relation to business. And it's not uncommon for me to go upstairs to his office and say, I've been thinking about this. Yeah. And for him to say, well, either here's the Bible— on that, mm-hmm. or sometimes there is no Bible on it. It's a conceptual, or a, mm-hmm. you know, it's an out there. And he'll say, "Well, here's what I would do," or he'll ask questions. Yeah. Why do you? Why are you talking about this? Like, why do you need yeah. that? I I had an issue a couple of weeks ago. I went up and I said, "I'm about to do a company policy on this issue." Mm-hmm. It came up. And I want to do a policy. Thoughts for me. And he said, why do you need a policy? He said, why can't you just, because as soon as you have a policy, right, wrong, or indifferent, you have to defend your policy. Right, okay. And he said, you don't need a policy. You need to mind your own business and keep your mouth shut. I mean, cool. And he didn't say that that bluntly. Right. But my interpretation of it is, okay. You're just getting to the point. So I just, I just wanted to do this thing because i got to have a policy. He's like, mm, not smart. You're going to get yourself in, in liability trouble as soon as you have a policy because 50% of the people are going to love your policy and 50% are going to yeah. come and say, why do you have this policy? Yeah. And so really high-level good stuff. Um, the third person was my original company owner, and I think that's – the practical place that I learned 
how to move things around. Yeah. And realize, because that's when we start talking about like future businesses and stuff, like ideas. Mm -hmm. I think there's this point where, where somebody who owns something either has or needs to get to a point where they realize that there's nothing stopping them. Uh, like, why, why, why don't you start something? Because most people, that question is a huge hurt. Like, I can't start something. How would I start something? Yeah, and okay. I have come through probably those three men primarily. Uh, I have come to a place where my question is never, how could I? But is it time almost? Okay. Am I? Well, that's interesting. Is so it, not, not can I, but is it time for me? When? When, when. And that goes back to your... That goes back to your, hey, they're lined up, man. Right. I got the ideas lined up. Right. They may not even be in the right order. No. But they're in an order. Right. Whether it's personal interest on your part. Sure. Or time in, in the economy or, or the market provides for it. Sure. Whatever. Life right. will grab the thing. Right. That you've got mm-hmm. and say, hey, that thing that you got, go. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and some of that. And these three guys. I would say opened those doors. It, just by way of understanding almost without for me I don't feel like any of those three took hold of me and said hey let me teach you a thing yeah I needed that sure yeah that was the type I needed right but these three men none of them did that in a business sense for sure yeah now, spiritually they all three have done that with me okay okay good yeah but in a in a secular like business mindset none of the three of them took hold of me and said let me show you this yeah but it's just who they were. And so my curiosity or the Lord pushing me mm-hmm. um, or whatever whatever that was led me to then go like, oh, I can do that. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. So freedom and influence. Mm-hmm. These are the privileges. Absolutely. And from what I understand – to sing your praises a little bit, don't don't get mm-hmm. too whatever. Um, but you're using both freedom and influence to just put. In other words, you're saying the thing I'd miss is having the opportunities that freedom and influence provide me to put freedom and influence right back into the thing that's given me freedom and influence. Right. So this is very circular. For and you, you pass it on. Yes. It must be passed on, or it dies with you. Or else it's worthless. I mean, what? If it's just for me, yeah. What good? None. None. Well, I mean, so it's cloak I, of I, maliciousness. I want it for my guys. Yeah. And I want it for my friends, and I want it for my children. And this, this is another spinoff tangent on this, but I've had this conversation. Um, I, I have a son. He's a, a teenager, and he already has a business that's. Yeah. Profitable and functioning. Yeah. And I puts got, me to shame, man. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, and you, it's you, just you're really, interested. yeah, yeah. He's there's just a following market, his lead. Yeah. There's a market and there's an interest. Yeah. And so, but I've had people be like, oh, well, you, you maybe shouldn't let your kids, like, the idea of why is your kid telling my kid what to do? Okay. And, my comment is, 
I want my sons, why wouldn't they be in charge of something? There now, you go. they may not need to tell your kid what to do, and that may be the wrong time and the wrong method. And, right. You know, I don't They're need learning. My, right. Yeah. They're young, and that I don't need my kids to wander around being bossy and bullyish. Dropping hammers. Right. Right. But the bottom line is, what I do want for my sons is for them to not be afraid, back to the fear thing, and to, not, yeah. and to be willing and able to be in charge of something. It's important. We have enough people that are just meandering and kind of coasting through life. And why wouldn't we raise men and children to do something that's right and, and honorable and ethical and profitable? It has to be profitable or it won't exist. So you right. get to that profit part and people start to go like, oh, well, no. Nah, well, not. you're trying to make a profit. Yeah, you're well, trying yeah, to make I am. money. Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to pass this on. That's right. Yeah. It, has to, it has to be profitable so that it can continue to exist and continue to fulfill a purpose. Awesome. I like it. I like it. Which puts profit in a very ethical place right? because it's being used. And, and this is, you know, oftentimes – sociologically speaking Mm -hmm. the greatest weaknesses and the greatest strengths often share similarities you know for america her greatest her greatest strength is her freedom and for america her greatest weakness is her freedom right you know and for privilege we touched on that word Mm -hmm. to start off right it can be a liability right if i'm raising a bunch of richy riches well or if i just don't even recognize that there are people with less right i have a and again, this touches... But if I'm using privilege... Mm, correct. If I'm using privilege to create betterment... Right, correct. Which I have to do for myself. I have to put the oxygen mask on myself right. before I help the guy in the seat next to me, right? Right. Otherwise, I can heroically hold my breath for only so long. Right. And I've saved four people right. instead of three. And I went down a hero, but a stupid hero. Right. Right, okay. The other part of that is... The, the honest truth about all of the money side, the profitability side, is that I personally, as the, the you know, um, one of the presidents had a plaque on it, the buck stops here. Yeah. And I don't remember which one offhand. I want to say, but then I'll have to offer a correction later because right. I don't know for sure. So the buck stops here. That it rises and falls on leadership. Right? right. We talked about that already. John Maxwell. Right. And the truth is that... If if I'm going to create that profitability and that that ongoing generational success in my guys and in my children and mm-hmm. down the line, mm-hmm. it's going to cost me something. Yeah, we've because, talked about that on this podcast before. Okay, cost. Right. So being a Christian, sure, cost you, sure, something. Right. It's not a health and wealth and thing. And I think we're getting we're going to touch on that in a little bit, but but from a sheer financial perspective, every time I pay, every time I buy a little bit of that betterment around me, yeah. It's taking money. I take the money out of my own pocket. Mm-hmm. I could have $100 and I take the $100 out and I buy some more influence with it. Or I buy a better standard of living for the guy down from me. Mm-hmm. Or I allow, I bring in 
two of my currently employees, now partners, yeah, and I give away what I think is going to be a very profitable company, and I give away uh, 48% of that company. <laughs> and this has done you, this has made you uh, richer or poorer, this concept. I'm reducing Defi- this. Definitely richer. Uh, which is what we're talking about. Definitely Christian or, or biblical entrepreneurship. Right. And so this it goes against common knowledge. It goes right. against logistical. Sure. There's two verses in Proverbs that say almost identically the same thing. I think there's one right. word difference. Yes. And it's, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. You're right. actively choosing to go against what's natural. Right. Because it'd be natural for me to accumulate. I want more profit. Right. I want a bigger bankroll. Right. My check has to be this much bigger to support my new standard of living. Right, right, right. But I had it explained to me this way. I was talking to a, a, a guy in in Sioux Falls who is an owner of multiple rental properties and mm-hmm. several businesses, and he lives in a side-by-side duplex that, okay. he, that he owns. Yeah. And he's lived there for years. It's tiny. It's a cracker box. And I said to him, I said, hey, guy yeah you're you're still living over there in that and you're still living over there what did he say he said oh yeah Yeah. he said he said i'm from guatemala he said uh the truth is he said this is more than i ever had he said i don't need anything else now that hasn't stopped him from expanding his business endeavors right but his personal standard of living is still very reasonable but it's more than he ever started with. And I'm that same way. Um, I, we didn't know it, but we had nothing. Yeah. Um, my dad's a pastor. Yeah. And, and contrary to some opinion, that's not a super profitable endeavor. Right. As a rule. Right. Unless you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and then, so, you know. Unless you're doing it wrong, I would agree. <laughs> I, I feel like I just stepped outside yeah. my boundary. Well, I'm there sorry. might be a bite back from that, but <laughs> That's right. no, I, I get it. But, so we didn't have a lot. And so I'm already miles ahead in a, in a monetary richer or poorer sense. Okay. I'm miles ahead of where I was too much. And um, if I never made another you know, another profit yeah. that just existed at the rate that I'm at, that's that's a lot. Yeah. And so to be able to take that and then then maximize influence. Yeah. That's that's something. That's that's the privilege. Right. That's what you're talking about. Right. Let's move on from it because we could probably hang out there for a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to challenge. I'm going to move on to challenge, I think. I'm just looking at my list here. And um, no, no, no. Let me, let me yeah. So and I, we touched on this, and we might blow through this pretty quickly, right? But the thought is, what have been the biggest challenges of business ownership? And this can be a focus on whatever you'd like. But when I say what have been the biggest challenges of business ownership, I'm asking – what have been the biggest challenges of owning a business within the confines of doing it biblically? Biblically, ethically, Christian ethics applied, Bible doctrine applied. Has there been something, um, I'll ask this two ways. Has there been something 
that you thought or in all reality that did hold you back that you would have done had it not been for, no, I can't do that or I'm, I'm governing this different? And has there been something where you thought that would be the case and it flipped and it, it, it was it was a bigger benefit than you thought it would when you when you followed the dic- the dictates of the Bible? That was a word salad, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. That's me, okay. Well, I'll back it up one okay. at a time. Challenges. What have you what what have you done? But so, you didn't because you had a belief system. Right. So, I think that the natural inclination as a business person is to to grow and to to take jobs at all cost. And if somebody, it's very, I find it incredibly difficult. If somebody brings me and says, hey, will you do this job? You're you're our guy. We want you to do this. And for me to look at them, which I have done, and say, that's not a place that I can work. Um, So the example of this is um, Sioux Falls has very strict limitations on adult film and sex shops. Yep, got it. So... But there are a couple of them. There are there's two places in the city limits, and then one outside the city limits, but just outside that are of that nature. And I had a client that we were doing work for continually, um, an HVAC client. So they're doing heating, ventilation, air conditioning, and we're doing the electrical hookups for their systems, and they're giving us three, four, five jobs a week. Okay. So. You know, those those are ranging from a couple hundred dollars to a couple of thousand dollars per job. So over the course of a year, it's not a small amount of money. I mean, it's not huge, but it's twenty twenty five grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they called and they said, "Hey, we're going to do uh, three or four rooftop units at one of these shops." Okay. And I'm like, okay. And I'm on the phone with the secretary, who's the wife of the owner, super nice gal. Yeah. And I said. Uh, and I called her by name and I said I don't even know how quite to tell you this but I'm not going to be able to do that work yeah okay um, and at that point and you're not just turning down work in your mind you're afraid that well, you're going to break a relationship I said of... that to her okay and I said I, I don't It's. I said that's not a place that I'm going to send my guys into I said I don't I don't free I don't spend my money there. Yeah. And I honestly think that when I if I was to go in there I would see things I would rather not. Yeah. And um it's just not good for my for my soul. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, I get I mean And and I and and whether I'm got church guys or not church guys, it's not good for them either and I'm not going to make them go there. Okay. And so I said, look, I said I appreciate every piece of work you've given me thus far, and I understand that even me saying this may um, end that relationship because you're going to have to call somebody who can do the job. Yeah. It has to get done. Yeah. And you obviously are okay with it, and that's fine. Some of this is in my head and some of this is said out loud. Yeah, yeah, But you're going to have to call another electrician. And just by its very nature, that is something I never want to happen. Right. I never want an existing client to call a different electrician for any reason. You've built the relationship. 
you want to cherish it. That's right. And I need to be the guy who handles yeah. your problems in the electrical world. Our company can take care of you. And so once I stop being that, what good am I? And so I, we had this discussion, and she was very gracious, and I was very apologetic mm -hmm. somehow. But I also, I'm not moving on this. Right. And it's Like you're not apologizing for not being able to do the work. You're apologizing right. for the breach in right. relationship. Right. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. And so that happens. And is there a, a over time, shortly thereafter, that company stopped calling us altogether. Yeah, okay. So on the surface, that's a bad business move. But that's something I don't I wouldn't regret that for an instant because my experience has been every time you create a hole, you know, if I fire a customer, so to speak, yeah. Somebody's going to fill that. Somebody else, a customer, you know, if you're too busy, get rid of the 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 work that you don't want to do anymore. And this is a an unintended version of that where that's not work we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Now, I would imagine that I'm probably the only, and again, that's a, I don't mean that to sound arrogant, but I would imagine there's not going to be a lot of guys in town. That who, turned down work. Who are going to say, hey, morally, I can't go in there. Yeah. And my guys can't either. And it, honestly, I could have solved that also by just putting that out to my guys and saying, hey, we're not going to do this, but anybody interested in moonlighting? Yeah. And that would have solved the problem and kept it in-house. But sometimes it's it's an issue of I can't, I, I don't want to touch that. And you don't want the people who you love. Right. Am I, I mean, that's a because term. Because if I was going to do that, I would send them in myself and make right. the money and be right. done with it. Right. Right. So you're very much building not only a, an employee base, an, a loyalty within employees, friends, family, but you're building a you're building a customer base that you want. Sure. You're you're making this look like something you want it to look like. Right. And I'm that's the part that probably I'm the worst at. I'm not I'm not as good at that part as I would like to be. Um you and I walked into a place last night. Yeah. And my immediate reaction was um this is the kind of work I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how to, to get to where this is what we do. So I'm not great at that part, the customer base. I know what I don't want, and there's certain times, whether it's for work reasons or ethical reasons, moral reasons, that you get rid of things. Um, there's certain types of work that my guys just hate, and mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not because it's um, wrong. It's just because it's a certain... There's, there's certain things where it's very difficult to do your job. And so yeah. those are jobs that I actively avoid because I want my guys to be happy. Mm -hmm. So rather than crack the whip and you have to go out there and I don't care and there's good money in it, it's just like, uh, we don't we, we can find other stuff to do. Okay. But from a moral standpoint, there are definitely times where, and I grew up, that's, that's something that, that my original owner taught me and he was honestly he was more strict about it than i am mm -hmm. and we can dabble in that thought or not but he he wouldn't do bars casinos 
nothing with a casino license or a liquor license attached. Mm. And there have been times where I have touched that for various reasons, usually not great ones. And honestly, I always, I always at the end, felt like I was crossing a line. You know, you get the job done because you committed to it. Yep. You get the check. And it's like, well, is the Lord going to bless this? I don't know. I, I can't imagine that he would. You know, it's bringing the, the price of a dog into the house of God type of idea. So you're, I mean, the areas in which you have <coughs> laid this down have been, you, would it be fair to call them in the immediate aftermath counterproductive? Sure. On the surface, they're counterproductive. On the surface. How long does that counterproductivity last? Not long. Not long. Because and why? Well, the tr- my opinion is that it's the hand of the Lord, that the Lord blesses what, when you do the right thing, you get the blessing from that. Yeah. Now, even in saying that, that sounds a little more um, like spiritualistic yeah, than yeah. I want it to. Yeah, no. And my business brain explanation would be that if you create a vacuum in your schedule, it will be filled by something productive. Mm-hmm. So, so there's two parts of that. One is the Lord's hand, and the other is the market. And both of them, the Lord's in charge. And I, I used to say this out loud to my employees and my partners and my, like, the Lord can take this and close it down tomorrow, and I'm 100% okay with that. But they weren't. No, it makes people nervous. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I, I'd imagine that it would. I still believe that, and I, I'll say that to my wife. I'm like... If, if the Lord wants me to do something else and work for somebody, which at this point would be incredibly difficult, mm-hmm. it would it would hurt me. But if the Lord wants that, he can have it, and he can, knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. So the Lord's hands on all of that, and that's, I mean, that's the whole point of this, is, you, is making decisions from this perspective of being Christian. Yes. Um, not just the like, hey, I'm running a Christian business. What does right, that yeah. mean? Well, nothing. So I, it doesn't mean anything. We I do am, whatever. I am opposed to the Christian marketing. Yeah. And this again, we're kind of that's a branch. Sure. But I don't like the fish symbol and the cross and the yeah because yeah. because I feel like it's attached to things that it shouldn't be, and so I don't want to attach. And then just you know, one of my guys with a fish sticker on his van, you know, runs through two red lights and cuts across four lanes of traffic and drives like an idiot. And there's my fish sticker. Yeah. Well, that's not a, you know, I've had that happen to friends of mine where they called a contractor and his whole, the side of his van is promoting your business, your name. No, a different business. Oh, okay. So a friend of mine called a general contractor, a roofing guy. Mm -hmm. And the side of his van when he pulled up was, um, actively promoting Christianity. Okay. And it has to be a sales technique because once he got up to look at the roof, he's swearing a blue streak. <laughs> and so I don't need that dichotomy. Right. I don't want there to be any attachment on the surface to Christianity, quote unquote. Right, right. And then 
I've got guys who are not Christian, and they yeah. talk how they want. Yeah. At some level, and so I don't need people to associate Christian with bad behavior. Yeah. But what I do want is for us to be actively making decisions as a company and as much as possible as individuals that are moral and ethical and that fall in line with, again, at the risk of cliche, uh, what would Jesus do? Yeah. That fall in line with what would Jesus do? Well, it's a fair question in the aspect of, I mean, so you you made a comment, and just to get kind of around the mulberry, there's an idea of Christianity being whatever I define it as. So, hey, we're all Christians. And then you get up on the rooftop, and like you said, and some people would say, well, what's your big deal? You're judging him. No, I'm not judging him. But the Bible does talk about a differentiation between common language or profane right. language and, and, and clean language. And, uh, you know, there's a Bible verse that talks about can salt water and, and sweet water come out of the same well, come out of the same source. And so uh, when it comes to ethics and do, uh, doing things or managing your guys, taking jobs, uh, putting them in vehicles that have your material on them— right. All of that stuff, um, I mean, what, would I be right to say this isn't – you're not actively trying to evangelize or, or use your business – or no. let me rephrase that. Use Christianity to sell no, absolutely not. An, an, an agenda or an, an edge or a want, perspective. I, I, I want the opposite. I don't want Christianity to be used as a market yeah. for my electrical company. Yeah. Right. I – I don't like that. Um, what I do want is for my business to be a good example of what Christianity is in real life. Mm-hmm. And that's an active pursuit of mine, even if it doesn't apply. You know, I'm not only going to hire guys who fall in line with my doctrinal statement right. either. But as a rule, we hire nice guys. And if they get out of line and they're jerks or mean or arrogant or or vile to a client or a customer, that's going to be handled because the standard is this. It's, it's, it's a fairly moral and, in truth, morality is Christian. Christianity is moral. Yep. And if you're moral, you're probably getting pretty close to lining up with the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so that's the standard. And so I'm never going to use it. It it goes one direction. The business should be an accurate representation of what morality and Christianity should be and can be. But I don't want to tap into the Christian culture as a way to, oh, well, that's a Christian company. Let's call them. I try and really, Good. And again, yeah. I don't mean to offend someone who does that, but I don't like that, and yeah. I don't I don't want that to be, oh, well, they've got the cross on their vans or the fish symbol on their vans, and so we'll call them. I want to be called on my own merits, and then I want to be an accurate representation of what good people should be doing in the world. So you're, I mean, we're going to call you on your merits. What you built is going to survive on the merits. Sure. It has to. It has to. And the people that you are recruiting, mm-hmm. training, 
And in essence, I'm going to use this word, the people that you're loving right. are going to show this mm-hmm. or move on. Right. And it very much is. And you use the word merits there a couple of times. Um, the term, I don't say this a lot, but the term I like is meritocracy. Meritocracy. And the idea is that things rise or fall based on whether they're good or bad, their merit. So mm-hmm. if we, we live in a, in a generation that um, wants something for nothing. Very much. And meritocracy is you can be the best, but you have to be the best. It's not going to be handed to you, and we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Influence or, or profit being handed, it's not going to happen. Not in the not in the real world, not in the construction world. Yeah. Which is sometimes pretty down and dirty. So we went out to eat last night. Right. And we, we went to a nice restaurant here in Salt Lake City and we met a guy, general manager of this restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, you had contacted him or got a hold of him at the end of dinner. Right. And yeah. made a passing comment. He came up to me. Okay. And he said he said, How was everything tonight? We were we were the last people in the restaurant. Yeah. We took our time. We did. We had a wonderful dinner. And we were standing close to the front door, and we're waiting on one of our party to come back. Yeah. And he came up to me, and he said, oh, how was everything? And I had watched him throughout the evening. Yeah, he, he was. He was, like, watching. This is very much, I'm watching, I'm watching Andrew put together how this place is being run right. in real time. Right. And, I, you know, it's just, I guess that's just something you would do. I like it. Yeah. And so I had actually gone wash up, wash my hands. I swung by the kitchen mm-hmm. and said, Hey guys, nice. Awesome. I didn't know that. Good. Yeah. Job. Yeah. And awesome. as I'm coming out, you're in a conversation with the owner and he offers us a tour. Yep. With the manager. And with, he said, yeah. he said, cause they have a little private room in the back and you can see it through a glass wall. Okay. And, um, so I was chatting to the girls about that, our wives yeah. and he came up, how was everything? I'm like, look, man, just fantastic. Um, really enjoyed the evening, the food, the service. Yeah. This place has been open less than a month, and they've yeah. got it already yeah. dialed in, which is incredibly tough to do. And so I just was complimentary to him, and he saw that we were looking at this little private area around the corner. And he said, oh, well, he said, that's our private room. He said, it seats 12 people. He's like, and he stopped. He's like, do you guys want a tour? Yeah. And so, you know, we ended up in the private room. So he takes us in there. Yeah. Right. And he's talking to us about his background Mm -hmm. in uh, his business, where he came from, how he thinks. And one of the things that stuck out to me in the context of what you and I are talking about right now was that he had mentioned that one of his sons had made a comment about, well, you know, I'd like to maybe work for you. Right. And then on the back end of that comment was the context of, well, I'm your son, so... There's certain things right. that you that I'm going to be allowed. Sure. And here's what stuck out to me. Right. I mean, quick. Mm-hmm. He was like, absolutely not. Right. Not going to happen. And he said to his son, as a boss would say to an employee, I'm where I am because of what I did, not because of who I knew. Right. And it would be cheap for me as your father to, to steal that from you. Right. To give you something that you didn't earn because you didn't earn it. It's unjust, and you're not going to make it right. unless you earn it. Right. Right. You're not going to. You're not going to have all the pieces of the puzzle 
if you do this without ethics. Correct. And I think what I'm capturing from you, and tell me if I'm wrong, is you're very much giving your employees all the pieces of the puzzle. So what you've already said has been so encouraging. Um, putting things in a perspective of owning something and running something that the world says you got to do it this way. Sure. Common knowledge says do it this way or it won't work. Mm-hmm. We're rejecting that. Yep. We're saying, no, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it the way the Bible says to do it. And people are saying, hey, folks, by the way, that's how this church exists. In, in a great deal, I had a group of people here tell me, listen, in order to do it this, in order to build a church in Salt Lake, you got to do it this way. I said, well, you know, I understand that, but that's not what the Bible says. So we're going to transition. We're going to do it the way the Bible says. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, you'll never make it. Um, you, well, I guess that could be true, but we're making it. And what we have right now, the Lord did. Right. The Lord put something together I was told couldn't be put together. And the Lord gave us a place that I said we couldn't afford, or that I was told couldn't be afforded. And there was all these things that just do it the way the Lord tells you to do it. In other words, if I could give you a phrase, the duty is ours, the results are his. Right. Very much. Yeah. And so we talked about, you know, just an introduction how you came into the business, mm-hmm. uh, the privileges of the business, the challenges, the ethics of it, the freedom and the liberty uh, of that, uh, the whole thing. And, and uh, I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but if I were to close this out and if I were to leave it, if I were to put the ball in your court and just say, what encouragement? And now, folks, I said this to him as we were getting started before, before I hit the record button. And I said, if I were to say, you know, what encouragement would you have? Uh, to someone looking to become involved in business, ownership, management, you know, and I said, would it just be like, run, just run, don't do it. He said, that's exactly the opposite. No, no, that would not be what I would say. And I thought, okay, that's probably why we're interviewing him over this subject and he's not interviewing me. So encouragement, you have, you have a whole, you know, you teach kids this. Sure. Okay. You've got guys working for you that very, in, in all reality, could run this, sure. could do their own thing on, on the skill level, yeah, absolutely. right? And maybe maybe the Lord moves them, and maybe they build right. it, absolutely. right? So what's the encouragement? And, and I know, again, it's unfair to, to try to ask you to narrow this down and boil it down to a concept or something, but if you were going to say, listen, this is what you need to start thinking about right now. This is how you need to approach this concept in your own self, your own heart, mind, soul, what are we looking at? So I would I would say a couple of things specifically. One is, and we've touched on this already, but it can, maybe it was before we started recording. It may have been. It, it, but it, it can be done. The, um, the barrier is often in you. Okay. The barriers, and that sounds real, like, I don't intend that to sound humanistic at all, but we become afraid, or we become hesitant, or we become uncertain. Yeah. And the barrier is is inside uh, me, often, now. So, I, I guess, approach it with the understanding, uh, if you're going to start something, 
the question should never be, um, or the thought should never be that you can't. I think the thought should be, should I? Should I? And is now? And is and and when? But it should never be. Oh, that's really hard. Or oh, that can't be done. Yeah. It absolutely can be done. And the proof that it can be done is somebody has done it. You haven't thought of anything, and I haven't. Like all of my big ideas, none of them are um, new. Mm -hmm. They're just versions of something that exists. So somebody's doing it now. So it it can be done. That's, That's one. Two is, should I? And that has a lot more to do with the Lord. Mm hmm. So my day-to-day has to be rooted in that, whether I'm starting something or whether I am in something already, what should I be doing? And that has to be continual. Um, it's simple. When we, we talked about this with, with a high school class, and my comment to them was, not everybody in this room should be an entrepreneur or a business owner. Yeah, yeah. So know your know yourself, know your yeah. limitations, be honest with yourself and with the Lord and let him be honest with you. But also this thing of uh, how how do I phrase this? You think about it, but I have an idea. Like what I hear you saying is you're saying my vision is very, very far reaching, very long. But my action is like now. Right. I'm. Oh, I'm. Absolutely. I'm not managing. I'm not looking. Like all the visions there. Right. But it's the little steps. I'm not managing my hours. I'm literally managing my minutes. Sure. I'm down to the minute. Right. Like we're we're not so. There's a saying within Christianity. He's so heavenly minded. He's no mm-hmm. earthly good. Mm-mm. Right. You you've got the game. You've got the long game. You right. see the worth. You're building this in your people. Mm-hmm. You're investing in them, but you're not doing. You're not doing the vision in the long thing. No, you're just holding that. Yeah, you're doing it now. Right. I can see it out there, and I'm I'm working towards it every in in the present. In the present. In the present. Right. I think the the explanation for what I'm trying to get to is is a is a story, and I'll be quick, but. Um, the other side of our state, Rapid City, mm-hmm. is five hours from me. And a lot of the market in Rapid City for what we do in electrical and in construction now, mm-hmm. there's a lot of money out there. And it's people's second, third, fourth home. Yeah. So it's completely arbitrary. You're talking about those those nice homes up in the hills and stuff. Right. And, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. Um, all over the western end of the state. And... So I have dabbled around the idea of building a second shop location, having a branch out okay. there. Okay. And so I went to my pastor and I said, I want to do this. I'm thinking about it. I'm not set on it, but I'm thinking about it. And the guy that I want to do it is a guy who works for me currently, and he's a member here in this church. Oh. And my you know, and my yeah. pastor looked at me and yeah. he said, "If you try and do that, you're wrong." Okay. And I'll be against it. I'm. I'll fight you on it because it's it's the wrong thing to take any opportunity and push 
a church member to be not in their church. He said, there's no, yeah. there's no, he said, there's not a church out there that he should be a part of. He's, he's a member here. And that's your pastor's vision for him. Absolutely. He, he, yeah. And I immediately, okay. So I, I use that illustration because it's an example of something that I want. And I haven't figured out how to get it yet. And maybe I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. But it's something that niggles around in the back corners of my brain. I would love to have a piece of that market. Mm-hmm. It's profitable and productive. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some lines. And the Lord is not in me crossing those lines just to get a bigger piece of the pie. So when we're talking about encouragement, it can be done. But you've got to be really, really careful that you let the Lord run that thing. Because it's real easy to get off base. Yeah. Because that, to me, I'm like, well, there's a ch- there's some church out there he could tie himself to. I just want to send him out there and pay him lots of money to start something for me. Right. Now, when you say you got to be careful to let the Lord run it, let's define that. Sure. And that goes back, and I think you already said it. Mm. You said, I'm with him daily. Sure. I'm connecting. So here's the... I, three things and this and let me put my pastor hat on for a second and jump into this Mm -hmm. three things that i'm looking for concerning the understanding of the will of the lord in my life Mm -hmm. number one is it uh, uh, justifiable or ethical or moral from the perspective of the bible right number two is my prayer life at peace with this number three is the preaching from the pulpit not any pulpit, Yours. but the pulpit yep. the Lord put me in front of. Right. Do these three things match? Do these three things match? Well, can I be more, even more specific? Send that? it. Because I, I am a huge, and I think we touched on this, but I am a, I have to have the preaching. But I. The also, Bible says the yeah. Lord makes himself manifest, right. which means he uncovers himself right. through preaching. Right. So you have, got it. In your pulpit. You, I would right. 100% right. agree with that. But I would take it, and I do. This is an example of that. I, I go up and I ask. So, and then I have to be willing. Like, the, the response I got from my pastor on that was not really my first instinct and it wasn't what I wanted to hear. Yeah. But I have to be willing to adjust based on the three things you just mentioned and personal relationship. On honest counsel from yeah. the person that's gonna give an account for you. Authority chain. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm profitable and productive because I'm under authority. And we talked about that verse last night. I am a man under authority, and I understand that. And he he said this whole thing. Yeah, and I have men under me. So very much under the context of, quote, unquote, on being Christian, there is an objective reality to what's required. You don't just – and as a pastor, I've heard this phrase a lot, and I've always found it very interesting. Someone comes to me and says, at at some level – looking for a rubber stamp of things. Sure. And they say, here's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I've prayed about it and I have peace. Sure. And I always think, okay, well, this is interesting for this reason. You're saying you've prayed about it and you have peace. Who am I to say that that's not true? I'm nobody. Right. But there's a Bible verse 
or a context of the Bible Doctrine. that says the Lord's against that. Right. So we're immediately up against this reality. Either the Bible's wrong, or at the very least subjective, mm-hmm. or you're wrong. And running a business from the perspective of a Christian, running the business, living life on being Christian, mm-hmm. is very much done in the context of the Word of God, mm-hmm. prayer, mm-hmm. preaching, yep. relationship with my pastor. Right. The authority of... of- God's house and God's man. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And in all of that, uh, once you've gotten that umbrella established, why would you not? Exactly. Ideas abound. Funding opportunities abound. Uh, employees, people ask. I get this question in the business community all the time. People want to know. Like, oh, man, we have trouble hiring. Like, why? What, <laughs> what? Do you have trouble hiring? I'm like, not really. And some of that I attribute directly, and it's not provable, but I attribute it directly to the Lord because I've got great guys. Yeah. And the mistakes that have been made in hiring have been my mistakes. But I've got guys that I trust and that they're solid and they're running things and... The Lord can can do all of that, but you you've got to fall under Him, yeah, and walk walk in line with Him, and then all of those things happen. And again, that may sound overly spiritual or something, I, but it's it's this idea of okay, I'm going to trust Him or I'm not, and right there. I don't know that you leave it right there. Right. And that's, folks, you trust him or you don't. Right. If you trust him, you do it. If you don't, you don't. Right. And that's really how simple it is. Mm-hmm. Like, do I trust him? Can't, why would he want you, why would he want you to own a business that didn't work? Well, and if he does, then you need to learn something from that. There's a, there's a, there's something that is, but he, so yes. logistically, it may not work, right? But growth-wise, but it's spiritually, it's working. Something, something in, in you is, gonna, is is what he's after. He's not looking to create a victim. No, and in that's, life, that's he's, really the 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 crux of encouragement. Is you want to be a Christian and you want to own a business? The Lord knows how. Yeah. Okay. Like he built it. He he built the systems that we function inside of. And so. You want to succeed? Just do the thing he says to do. Why would it, his method not work? Good question. He's God, after all, and you trust him or you don't. And you trust him or you don't. I tell the folks here all the time at Wasatch Front Baptist Church, has it ever dawned on you that nothing has ever dawned on God? Hmm. It, right. it, he's not going to be surprised by a problem that you run up against. He's not going to be caught off guard by an economy, right. by a crashing system, right. but you know, you know, it's just not going to happen. So if I trust him, I'll do it. Right. And how will I do it? I'll do it in the confines mm-hmm. of those four parameters: Bible reading, prayer, preaching, relationship with my pastor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And and we've already touched on it, but I just want to make this very clear: the preaching from the church you're in 
and the relationship with the pastor God gave you. Don't right, put me in that place right. if it's not me. It's and not don't let somebody take that place if the Lord didn't give it to them. Right. Right? So, you know, be zealous and protective of your people. The Lord gave you your people. So, hey, this has been fun, man. I don't know. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah? It's good. Yeah. I like it. I think we could go for a long time. Oh, we could. That that would be counterproductive probably. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it could be. Folks, I I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know that there's a lot of opportunity for people to run businesses in an ethical way. Ethics, morality, they still attract people who want to live in reality. And that's really what it's about. We live in a society that's rapidly becoming more accepting of unreal. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, whether it's our movies, our entertainment, our proclivities to assume or unassume that you can choose opposite of objective reality. These are all things that are being accepted at a higher level. But it's interesting when people start putting their money involved in things they're, they don't give their money to things as willingly as they maybe would give your money to things. All right. And so when you're dealing with objective reality, subjective reality, there are still people who are looking for morality, truth, people to deal ethically with them in cor- in accordance with a higher authority. And I think what we talked about today um, from the perspective of owning a business and operating a business as a Christian in a world that you could define potentially as antagonistic towards that life. Uh, We talked to a guy today who's thriving in it. And the people who are working for him are thriving in it. And he's building a thing, and it's doing good, Mm -hmm. and it's producing outcomes. Right. We, You know, families are happy. You're taking care of guys. They're, they're working, the, the worth in their life is a direct result of their own hand. Mm-hmm. It's all Absolutely. good, man. It's yeah. all good. It's a blast to be a part of. It's a blessing to be a part of. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. That's good. What have you ever thought that this would have been? No. No, yeah. This is not me. No. Well, it is now, but yeah. it, it's not, it's learned. It's not, it's not uh, natural. It's learned. It's learned. Somebody once told me, to my own detriment that I was a born leader. And I'm telling you that it was to my own detriment because I went into life thinking that. And what I realized, what I realized was I wasn't. Not only was I not, but that the concept that I was 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 counterproductive. Right, it's hurting. It's hurting me. You and the people that are following. Exactly. Right. And so then when you realize, like, hey, there's no such thing as a born success story. It's the work, man. Right. You dig in. Be curious. Yeah. Keep keep going. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to close, folks. I hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions for him, I know how to get a hold of him. And you know how to get a hold of me. WasatchFrontBaptistChurch.com. There's a link on the, uh, on the Contact Us page. If you go there, I'm there right now. It just has um, our location and things like that. But it also, further down has a a direct link to my email and you can get on there and say, well, I want to email him 
and uh, you can shoot me an email directly on. It's Pastor Ruby at WasatchFrontBaptistChurch.com, and I will do my best. I've already had a few things come through with respect to that avenue of connection. Um, if you have questions or say, hey, I he said this, and he needs to clarify that, I'll get a hold of him right. and say, hey, what, what was that? And I can cover it maybe in a... Right. Yeah. We'll fly him back out to Salt Lake City. <laughs> Sure. We've already established that he has all the freedom in the world to do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and we'll connect and, and, and drain some of that influence. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Folks, thanks for being with me. I'm going to have a word of prayer real quick, and then we're going to dismiss, and I'll see you or talk to you when I talk to you. Father, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. We don't deserve any of this. And so we thank you for your freedom through Jesus Christ. We thank you for your love which we've not yet figured out how to understand, nor will we, I don't think, until we see your face. We thank you for all of it, and we ask that you'd help us to walk worthy of the title of Christian. We leave these things in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, talk to you soon.